We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hello and welcome to the latest Monday morning edition of the DTF podcast, the Doster T.O. and Phantom podcast. It's Monday, January 23rd, 10.07 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone. Fanta T.O., how we doing, gentlemen? How's it going? How's life? How's everything? How was your weekends? It's great. Really good weekend. Fun to watch everything on Saturday, guys. It was an elite sports TV viewing window. I was out in Providence for FS1 called their win over DePaul and then hit the sports bar in Providence, a sports bar named Snookers. Snookers, it's a well-known sports bar and and uh, pool hall right in Providence. So it was camped out there, watching all the games, checking everything out. I, I love the dynamic of Alabama, Missouri, as well as Texas, West Virginia happening at the same time. I was literally going from screen to screen, just checking things out. And it was a really fun college basketball weekend. So much is happening in this sport right now, fellas. There's no shortage of storylines. Yeah, it's been awesome. The, the entire weekend was was awesome, full of games and not not necessarily full of surprises, but like a lot of interesting things are just continuing to pop up. And I feel like we need to change the vernacular of saying, oh, there's no good teams. There needs to be a lot of good teams. 
because like TCU's popping up, they're beating the brakes off of Kansas. Kansas is beating the brakes off of somebody else. And then they go up, lose to Mizzou. And then Alabama goes up to Mizzou and beats them by 20. I'm just like, my head's spinning. What's going on? <laughs> but like, it's been, uh, it's been a great college basketball season as far as parody is concerned and a lot of fun to watch Saturday. Uh, I enjoyed the heck out of Saturday because I, I was able to sit and watch games and my wife was happy with me sitting and watching games. I wasn't put to the task all that much. So it was a great weekend, a lot of fun. And uh, Church League got the W again, just to keep the, keep the world updated on Church League. Nice. Yeah, that's that's what we're clamoring for. That's why we have you on here. It's not <laughs> nothing. To, we don't want you breaking down games. You don't want you talking about why this team looks great. Why TCU is going into fall the the fog and winning by twenty three. It's yeah. so we can hear your updates about your literal seventy point wins in Church League. He won. They won ninety ninety one to twenty six. Is that what it oh was? Oh my god! That's that, what we're talking about here. Ninety one to twenty six. We finished. We finished on a sixty one to six run. It was thir- it was thirty to what was it thirty to twenty? Were you running it up? Huh? Isn't isn't it very ironic that in church league you're running up the score? God don't play suckers. Like you got to <laughs> you got to you got to go at it. Oh no, my I'm, god! I'm just I'm just joking. The funny thing about that oh. is, is there's oh. a guy who's he's deep in the church that I was playing with, and he told me to stop shooting with about six minutes left, which is fine. I, so I quit shooting, and then I turn around, my man is snowbirding. Like trying to get points. I was like, dude, if I you thought quit we quit were... shooting. Then what were you doing? I was passing. I was passing. I reluctantly, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fun, man. Dude, it's fun. I know, like, we watch a lot of hoop. It's fun to play hoop. That's why we all, you know, Phantom, speaking of which, I heard that you were working a Big East game one time and then had to three on three it at halftime of a Seton Hall game and That's then put right. your suit back on. Yeah. Once upon a time, I won a three on three title. When I was an undergrad at Seton Hall, won a three-on-three championship uh, just with pick-and-pop basketball, pick-and-roll. I was the high screener. We were actually playing X's and O's basketball, you know, even though it was three-on-three. And I surrounded myself with two guards who knew what to do with it. And I was just smart off the ball, and I would catch it and shoot here and there, make a shot, keep the defense honest. And we won a three-on-three intramural title once upon a time. There's footage it's not very good footage. It's iPhone 7 footage, but there's some footage lying around. Really? I'm going to have yeah. to find Dagan Hughes and, and get that. Does Dagan have it? He could track that down. Yes, he could. That, the that's the, the world needs this. Yeah, also. we're going to have to break it down, get it up on Synergy. We, we got to see what uh what, what Fanta's <laughs> points per possession is. How good of a screener do you think he was? Like I, I just imagine Fanta having elite for, footwork when it comes well, to Well, you got to remember, he was a left guard in high school. Yeah. So right. footwork's well, there. Was never- there. But but here's the thing, they're not calling an illegal screen in in, in intramural basketball. Mm-hmm. So so just by screening, you throw the defense off. But I, I got to tell you, I badly want like a king of the hill, one v one, feel the sixty eight personalities tournament mm-hmm. at the final four because I just think it'd be fascinating. I think we would have a Cinderella emerge, somebody out of nowhere that you're just like, how how is this guy winning? But got to play some bully ball i'm all for that I, and i really i really do want to play goodman one-on-one just so i could beat him and then have that forever yeah, i've i've seen him i've seen him move i've seen him throw oh, a football yeah. at kansas state last <laughs> week i saw him shoot fanta there is no doubt in my mind that you would beat goodman if you guys played to 11 but here's the problem this is what's going to happen if you play goodman right as soon as he gets a lead even if it's the first shot of the game 
it's over. It's done. He's going to say that it's over. He's going to say that he won. And then he's never going to let you hear about it until the day that he dies. That's all that he's going to over and over. Well, all you're going to hear about is, you remember that time I beat you one-on-one? Anytime that you tweet anything. You remember that time I beat you one-on-one? Anytime that you're on After Dark with him. Hey, you remember that time I beat you one-on-one? That is what's going to happen. Well, he, he, don't want to play he did go He did go to Arizona, so he certainly wouldn't be the first one to stop the He count, tries to claim but... that he, he can still dunk. Dunk what? Dunk a donut into that Dunkin' Donuts smoothie coffee that he drinks every That's morning? That's what he tries to claim. That's what he tries to claim, that he can still dunk. So that's what we're working with here when it comes to Goodman. That that's that's what I mean, we're working with here. Yeah. Uh, again, he did go to Arizona, so he wouldn't be the first one to stop the count. Um, having having said this, having said this, how was your trip to the Midwest with him? <laughs> oh, Fanta. Um, uh, it was it was long. Uh, he is <laughs> long. It was long. <laughs> it was long. He's uh. He is the least safe driver that I've ever seen in my entire life. Literally the entire time, he just got his phone out, scrolling, like not even just texting people, just like, you know, looking through his phone, reading DMs, reading tweets, firing off texts. He was, did you see that big game boomer, like best college basketball personalities list that came out? Yeah, Goodman was number one. Do you want to know why? During our drive from Manhattan, to Columbia, he was just messaging with Big Game Boomer, giving him <laughs> advice and giving him tips on what the top 100 should look like. And then lost his mind when it came out and he didn't get final say on what the top 100 was. And since then, over the course of the last four days, he's been texting me nonstop like, hey, we should do our own list of top 100 college basketball personalities. He we hit should, me up. Should, he hit me too. We should put our. We should put a list together of that. We should do our own. I'm like, I no. There's, no. Did he ask you? No. Yeah, he, he asked me to you know, yeah. rank your top ten. It's really hard. It, it, it is. It is hard. It was hard. Yeah. Do you yeah. have your top ten? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I gave him one. I did too. I gave him one. Yeah, it is hard though. Rob made it. He's. I made it. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. I thought now, Rob. Was... Rob, you didn't make mine because I thought he was referring just to television. Yeah, I said, yeah. if if it's not just television, hey, you, you can watch you YouTube on TV, sir. That's you true, watch, but you, you, you know what YouTube I mean. I'm, th I'm thinking you know what? network. You know what, Tio? You didn't make my top ten either. How about I that? didn't think I would. I didn't think that? I would. <laughs> I thought <laughs> we were talking about television. What's your top ten? Do you have a top ten, Rob? I did. I did not make one. I have Hold no on. interest in doing that. I have no interest in arguing with people. I have no like that. Just. That, that's going to open up a can of worms or all you're going to do is hurt feelings. And there's one thing that Goodman loves to do, and that is to hurt people, people's oh feelings God. and find ways to take shots at the, the uh, Seth Greenbergs of the world. All right. <laughs> Why don't we talk basketball? Yeah, you don't have to give your top 10, Fanta. Let's get into, let's get into the basketball for the weekend. So Kentucky Green. might be back. I love how T.O. said that not a lot happened this weekend, but it's the first time ever that we saw the top two teams in the AP poll lose at home in the same two-day stretch. Uh, we got to talk about who the new number one is, and we had a Pac-12 showdown. But before we do all of that, I think the most interesting story coming out of this weekend happened on Sunday. Indiana, despite playing without Xavier Johnson, despite having a limited race Thompson, has now won three in a row. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Illinois on Sunday. They beat Michigan State by 13. Trace Jackson Davis 
over the course of the last six games in 2023 is averaging 24.5 points, 13.3 boards, 4.7 assists, and 3.7 blocks. All of a sudden, Indiana is back, top 10 in Kempom, and in those six games, in that six-game stretch, they lost their first three, gave up 260 points in those three losses. Their last three games, they gave up 179 points in the three wins. T.O., you guys talked about this on After Dark last night. Is Indiana back? I don't know the, the word back. Did they ever really leave? That that I know they had some issues and everything like that as far as inter, uh, as far as you know point guard play was a question all that. But if they Trace Jackson Davis is as good as what he's been over the last few days, I know you have that stat that six game stat uh, lineup, Rob. Like he was incredibly dominant, like in, in so many different ways. And guys, he's. I mean, he's got to have the strongest hands. I said in the Big Ten last night, and I started to think about it. I'm not sure there's a guy in the country with stronger hands. Maybe Sheboy, maybe. But Sheboy doesn't have soft hands to where he catches stuff naturally. Trace Jackson Davis, like, he grabs rebounds just out of people's hands because he feels like it. Like, there was a there was a rebound yesterday. Joey Hauser's going up for a rebound. Trace just like, nope, that's mine. I'll take that one. And then just goes back up with an offensive rebound. And to be honest with you, he – might be the best lob catcher in the past 15, 20 years. And that's a lot of people included. And the reason I'm saying that is because of the angles from where he catches these lobs. Like he'll be running at the goal. He'll be running at the rim. They will throw it over his head. He will still find a way in transition to catch the ball and dunk it while catching it here and then turning around and dunking it there. It's one of the most remarkable abilities I've seen from somebody like that. And it's consistent. He's got the softest hands, the strongest hands. And like his ability to finish those possessions is remarkable. And you can't stop him right now. He's boarding everything. He's scoring everything. They and say, you know don't exactly let him go left. what he's going to do. But exactly what he's going to do. He's going to right. his left hand and you like, you can't stop him. You, you know, know what the crazy part him. is the crazy part about that is, is sometimes you're so worried about a guy doing a certain thing that like you overplay that so much that it becomes an advantage to use that hand. Does that make sense? Like somebody leads you left, but like you want to go right, but they open up completely. And if you attack that top foot, you can forget it. Like you're going right. It's the same kind of principle. Like it's, it's, it's almost baffling that he's still able to get to that left hand. Well, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Oh boy. Number one, number one, I'm buckling up. Oscar Shibway, 22 and 18. Drew Timmy, 22 and 13. Dane Danger, 20 and 7. Zach Eady told me in a postgame interview last Monday, I could have scored 40 today. And we know what he did against Michigan State. So, I believe that you're right, Rob. Indiana is back. However, however, they beat a team that is the biggest mystery in college basketball in Illinois. I don't know what we're getting from day to day from them. And they beat a Michigan State team that, frankly, has allowed opposing bigs to dominate them all season long. Michigan State has been bad. And Tom Izzo would tell you they've been bad. They've been bad against opposing centers. We knew that this would be their weakness, and it has been their weakness. To me, though, Indiana being back hinges 
on two things that are not Trace Jackson Davis. Number one, they're defending. Their defense was horrible earlier in conference play. Last year, they finished the season as the top Ken Palm team out of the Big Ten in a in defense, in defensive efficiency. The other thing is, you look at what they did against Michigan State, but you look at what they did against Illinois and what they've done recently. With Xavier Johnson out, Trey Galloway has to be better. He has to deliver something for them, even if it's not scoring. But on Sunday, he goes for 17 points, a perfect three for three from three. Indiana's one of those teams in college basketball, when they hit a three and they're guarding, it feels like five or six. That's what a three feels like when when you're playing them. And the other one is Tamar Bates. Yep. Tamar Bates was listed all throughout October as breakout candidate. He's going to come on. He's going to be an X factor. There are games where Tamar Bates is pretty quiet. On Sunday, he was loud. And Indiana needs Tamar Bates to continue to play a role for this team. He has to be the sixth man for Indiana. They don't have a, a big bench. They don't have this huge rotation. It's been cut down because of injuries. But for Indiana, if you're going to lose Race Thompson and you're going to lose Xavier Johnson, you've got to have some perimeter play. And on Sunday, Galloway and Bates supplied it. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, having guys that can make shots when you have Trace Jackson Davis in the middle that opens up space. Like that's we all know that. Uh, I got a stat for you though, because to me it's the defense, right? The defense changed yes. everything. Like I said, they gave up 260 points in those three losses that they had. They've given up 179 points in this this three game winning streak. They're averaging under uh, under 60 points allowed. Um, and here's the the biggest stat. So on BartTorvik.com, pull out your Torvik, right? Pull uh, out your Torvik. Pull out your Torvik. You can look at efficiency stats, break down by like certain date ranges. And during this three-game winning streak, they are their defensive efficiency rating is 87.4. You extrapolate that out across the entire season. That's sixth nationally. That changes everything. Everything when you can actually get stops. Because they're never going to be a great offensive team, but you can be a good enough offensive team if you are good defensively. And you have Trace Jackson Davis. Like you can find a way to win a lot of basketball games in the Big Ten. So uh, that's just kind of. And you know what? Now is this a case where numbers are deceiving? Because Indiana is, according to Kim Palm's, number twenty offense in the country. Is this a case where numbers are deceiving? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with beating up on some lesser teams, Um, and it's also uh, they the games where they gave up 260 points, like they were in those games. So they were getting out and they were running, they were scoring some points. Um, and like Fanta said, they got guys that are making shots a little bit now. It's not just Miller cop right. out there trying to space the floor. And like, we gotta, we gotta give him a shout out. Jalen hood. Shafino was not great on Sunday, but he was great. For like the last eight or yes. nine games. Heading yes. Into Sunday. So, yes. so having him kind of step into the role vacated by Xavier Johnson. I mean, look, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm kind of at the point where if Xavier Johnson can come back healthy, by March, like all of a sudden you're looking at a, an Indiana team that can be really dangerous with a bunch of shooters, two combo guards, and Trace Jackson Davis. Like that's their garden. That's not a team you want to face. You know who else might be back, guys? Kentucky might be back. They might officially be back. They've yeah. also won three in a row. They won at Tennessee. Sorry, T.O. They beat Georgia by 14, and they beat Texas A&M, who was 5-0 and in the SEC coming into that game. Uh, the biggest thing here. 
Fence, I'm going to you first on this one. Cal has cut the rotation. It seems like he's fully bought into this idea. They are basically playing eight guys. Uh, there are six in the main rotation. Lance Ware kind of gets the minutes whenever Oscar Sheeway's in foul trouble or um, needs a quick spell on the bench. And Severe Wheeler, in the last two games combined that he's played, has averaged uh, 9.5 minutes. So it seems like Cal has kind of figured it out. And I'm going to give you another stat. Uh, their adjusted offensive efficiency on Torvik in that three-game stretch is 114.6, and that would rank them in the top 15 nationally if you put that over the entire season. So, Fanta, is Kentucky back? Not to the degree that I believe in Indiana, because I still have my doubts with Kentucky offensively, but the performance against Texas A&M was what I'd like to see more of here as, as things string along because they had four and double figures. Antonio Reeves to me has emerged as the X factor for this ball club because over the last five games, he's averaging around 15, 16 points per game. He's got two 20 plus point performances. He hit five threes against A&M on Saturday. So guys, we have been clamoring all season long for Kentucky <laughs> to make some shots from the outside. And frankly, we've called them a poor shooting team, and rightfully so, right? I mean, that's what we've talked about. But for this team, they're another one now. They've unlocked something here. Reeves is is delivering. He's stepping up here over the last couple of games. Over these last two weeks, he's been very, very good, much better. And, you know, I, I think sometimes for teams when you're losing, when you're losing, you get to a point where the only guys you got are yourselves. And I feel this watching Kentucky the last couple of weeks. I felt it in the win at Tennessee. I thought they played with a chip on their shoulder for the first time. I really did. I thought Sheepway came out and punched and said, I'm tired of this. I'm actually tired of this. I'm tired of getting doubted. I'm tired of losing. Like on the marathon of college basketball, Everybody goes through a period, for the most part, where you're going to be doubted or where somebody's going to be like, you know what, they're not what they're made out to be. You know who people are calling that for on this Monday morning? Not to the same degree. I think all three of us agree they'll be okay. But, like, you know who's going through that as they wake up today? Kansas. Kansas. They've lost mm -hmm. a couple games in a row. Now they're at Baylor tonight. And you will all know if they lose to Baylor on Monday night, uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, well, it's the Big 12. It's life in the Big 12. Yeah. For Kentucky, I agree with you. They found the lineup. Cal is riding it. Because, guys, could he really ride any other horse at this point? The answer to that question is no. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No. Uh, who would you who would you think would beat Indiana or win Indiana or Kentucky at this point? Um, Indiana. Oh. Indiana. Yeah, I think I probably would lean Indiana here, but I think that that would be a uh, that's one of those ones where you're looking at like a point and a half spread, something like that. Yeah, it'd be a good game. Close. It'd be a fun game. Yeah, it's close. I, I think uh, they found a solution by proxy whenever Severe couldn't play against Tennessee. I, I think that's a. That, that's a big point, and he is really good at what he is. He's an energy guy. He, he's a change-of-pace guy, but if he's your constant pace, there's problems because, guys, he shoots good percentages and all that, but it's almost like the, the other opposing teams aren't scared of it, so whenever he's driving, he's driving into everybody, and there's not any space. Now you have different guys running the point. C.J. Frederick, you're having to facilitate offense. You're having to call more plays, and whenever you're bigger around the perimeter – you have that ability. And now on top of that, Toppin's been playing well over the past three games to give Sheeb more, more space. Uh, Antonio Reeves, he had 20, 23 against Texas A&M. Like, this is a guy that has scoring capability. It's a matter of had they been, been in the right positions. And, guys, there was a couple of weeks ago I did like a miniature breakdown of Kentucky. Like, a lot of the stuff they run will work. It's just their angles have been bad. Uh, their spacing has been bad. They don't, get off, uh, they don't get off the ball. Whenever they pass, they don't go away. They stand still a lot. A lot of those things are changing because – they have one less guy that's hunting the ball down to make a play. And Severe is always looking to run back to the basketball. We talked about Remy Martin last year, how Bill Self always talked about. He always runs back to the ball, and that's a problem. Severe kind of has that same thing. But now that he's off the floor, you have a guy like C.J. Frederick bringing it up. He's very willing to pass it and go spot up and go find a place elsewhere. That's so, his natural inclination, right? That's Severe's his, natural inclination is go get the rock. CJ's natural inclination is stand in the corner and let it fly when he gets it. That's right. That's right. So it helps him. It helps that offense out a lot because there's more space to operate. Sheeb has more space. And guys, they're shooting 36.8% from three on the season. And they're the number one offensive rebounding team in the country because of yeah. Sheeb. So, like, even when they're missing, they're getting another shot on almost 40% they, of the time. They never had to be a great – you don't have to run great <laughs> stuff if you're – They just have uh, to be marginally decent at a lot you have of things. To, you have to yeah. be able to create good shots for the guys that can make shots. You have to be able to create situations where you have C.J. Frederick, like we said, standing in the corner catching and shooting, where you have Antonio Reeves coming off a curl where he doesn't all of a sudden come off that screen and he's looking at three guys in front of him. You have to have the option where he can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim or just take that little pull-up off the screen. You have to be able to get Jacob Toppin in a situation where you have him isoed in the mid-post, right? And he can make a move without seeing three guys in front of him. That That's all you need because yep. you're going to be able to get enough off the offensive glass with Sheway and you're going to be able to make enough threes and now they're able to space the floor it's just it's frustrating that it took a severe wheeler injury for us for like cal to do what we've all been kind of asking him to do and the other big thing is that they're not we're seeing less of the two big lineups right lance Ware is if you just have him be the energy guy that comes in for 10 to 15 minutes to use his right. fouls to right. spell she to make sure that you're not playing she 39 minutes a night he can do that you but cannot do you trust him. them do you trust them? I am getting to the point where I trust them to be like 
a team that can win a game or two in the tournament. I don't think that they're ever going to be what we thought they were going to be coming into the season. Part of that is because some guys haven't developed quite the same way that we thought. Sometimes some of it is like there's lots of reasons why. Um, but I, I still think that they are a, I would say probably the third best team in the SEC right now. Is that fair? I mean, Alabama's the best. Tennessee's yep. probably the second best. And then I would yep. put Kentucky there as that next best team. Hard to argue. With upside, like that, with with upside, if the pieces are actually working. So, um, it's now we the thing we criticized him for early on in the season, guys, was that he wasn't putting his guys in a position to succeed. And I think now he's kind of found a way to put his guys in a position where they can well, all kind of be their best selves. Yeah. Tell you what, Saturday night, Saturday night they get Kansas in Lexington. Yeah, that's look. That's a, that's a perfect segue because we need to talk about Kansas. We need to talk about the top two teams losing. How? So, all right, I got some facts for you guys. You ready? Facts and stats and info. This was pull out your Torvik. I'm pulling out my. Well, this isn't. This is more like pull out your Elias Sports Bureau, maybe something like that. Anyway, this too was wordy. too wordy and, to be funny. Yeah, too wordy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Kansas lost at home by 23 points to TCU. That was the biggest home loss ever for a top two team in the AP poll. It was wow. the second biggest home loss ever for Bill Self at Kansas. It was TCU's first ever win in Fall yeah. Allen Fieldhouse. Crazy. So, T.O., we'll go to you first on this one because you were the first one to mention Kansas. Does this say more about TCU or the Jayhawks? Because I'm kind of torn on that, if I'm being frank. Guys, there was a lot of emotional expenditure when they go to when they went to Manhattan. And then not only that, like you can't really breathe because you got to play TCU a few days later. And if you're tired at all playing against Mike Miles and Damian Ball, you can forget it because he, Mike Miles is the fastest person in basketball shoes with the ball in his hand. What did hands. you say about him? Looks like he oh, I said he had a rocket in his ass. <laughs> Mike Miles got a rocket in his ass. He's the fastest dude. He's got was it here, there, and gone. That's his three speeds. And he, uh, like, it's amazing how fast that dude, he's the fastest guy with the basketball I've seen since Ty Lawson. Like, that is saying a lot. I know John Wall was fast. Ty Lawson was the fastest person I've ever seen in person. He was ridiculous. He was a one-man press break by himself. He was incredible. But John Morant's up there, too. Yeah, but he, he, John was a little bit different because whenever he was pressed, like, his half-court speed was so much different. I'm talking, like, End to end, he's still he's still very fast. I didn't see it as much at Murray State. Like his ability well, to because they had three guys in front of him at all time. Like that's Mike right. Miles gets the ball, it's two dribbles, and it's literally a layup for somebody. That's else. what I'm saying. That that's more of what I'm getting at. Not that John Morant isn't amazing. He's my I can't believe you're hating now. on John Morant again, Tio. <laughs> Unbelievable. No, but but you and Shannon think- Sharp. Wow, Shannon. Oh, yeah. How about that? That was embarrassing. Right, uh, we don't need to slander Fantas Fox colleagues. Yeah, that was that was brutal. I fully back Shannon Sharp. No, you don't. I fully back Shannon no, Sharp. No, you don't. Yo, don't come into my MF and house. <laughs> I, I'll don't. tell you this much. Talk I'll tell about you this it. much. Club there, there, I, I think Fanta is the <laughs> is probably the one person on the field of 68 where he would not back down from Steven Adams. He would go right back. You see that seven-foot New Zealand monster coming at you? Yeah, Fanta's not backing down. I'm probably backing down. Tio's running the other direction. Fanta's right there. Like, yeah, That's a wild up? accusation. What's up? That was I played left most... guard in high school, sir. So, you know, like, qu- very quickly, 45 seconds on this. Like, <laughs> so this happened Friday night. 
like I remember reading something on this on Friday night and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like that's so random. Then like we're seeing that the broadcast was talking about this and like that this went full on like this went full on viral. What? I I just I want to know if if the fact that he is a broadcaster, like if that's any other fan, if that's not right. a guy that's on TV, oh, he's out, he's gone, banned for life, for right. life. Yeah, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna. Well, be- have, have you big- ever seen? First of all, have you guys ever seen Shannon Sharp in person? I have. Have you guys he, seen him in person? He, he is an enormous. He's built Dude. like a barrel with like zero percent <laughs> body fat. He is not a regular person. Also, he's a big LeBron guy. Oh, he was talking trash. That's where it all came from. He was talking trash to Dylan Brooks about LeBron. He's like, you can't stop that or something. Dylan Brooks has something to say back. Oh, you can't. You can't. LeBron James can't be stopped. Yeah. No, he can't. But that but that all being said, like, you, Shannon. Like, I'm a big fan of Shannon Sharp. Huge fan of Shannon Sharp. I think <laughs> he's so creative and so funny and, like, just off the wall. Like, I really enjoy him. Dude, don't do that. You're bigger than that. You're bigger than that, yeah. literally and figuratively. You're not as big as Steven Adams, but like, dude, you are awesome. Just you don't have to do that. What are you mad for? He's he's so South Carolina, it it hurts, man. Like he he is not gonna, he's not the kind of guy that's gonna back down from somebody. He's Oglesby a- April headline: Oglesby Morant get into it in Memphis. <laughs> Who? All right, here's here's a question for you. We're at the Final Four. To sitting courtside. Who is T.O. most likely to get in a, a, a screaming match with? Who does Who is security going to have to come hold him back from uh, from running on the court to go after? Oh, man. There's only one person I could ever envision that happening. I'm not going to share his name. <laughs> only one. Um, yeah, as long as, uh, you know, it's not. I'm not, you know, I know who it is. I'm not going to say it. I'm yeah, not, that, don't that's say how big it. of don't that's how big of a man it. I am right now. I'll Thank tell you, you after the show. It. I'll tell don't you after it. the show. All right. Anyway, Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I love people. I love people. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Fanta, go ahead. Well, here's the thing. Rob asked the question, did we learn more about TCU or more about Kansas than this? Now, I'm going to hop back on the horse that that I was riding in the preseason, and honestly, I got off the horse. I did, so you can't take a victory lap. I'm I'm not doing that here on the show. But I will say this, TCU reminded us on Saturday why some people had them in the top 10 in the preseason. They have that on their best day. That it factor that you look for from a team, that's what the Horned Frogs possess. Beyond the elite guard play of Mike Miles, they're just so tough. It's a gang rebounding team. They they don't have just one main guy who gets all the boards like, like a Shibway with Kentucky or another big who dominates. They just get after it. I mean, on in Saturday's win, they had, fellas, seven guys that had at least three rebounds. Nobody had more than eight. They just they just get up in you defensively. They make you work for everything you're going to get. And if you turn the ball over, if you turn the ball over, you're in trouble against them. And Kansas turned the ball over 17 times. T.O. and I were messaging each other a couple weeks ago, and I said, Terrence, when TCU gets downhill – Oh my goodness gracious. Yep. They are they are scary levels of good. Well, you're right. Kansas coming off the emotional game at Kansas State was the best thing that could have happened for Texas Christian University. 
Right. Jamie Dixon's team defends you. And for, for TCU, the question is always this. Because TCU did lose to West Virginia earlier in the week. This is the other side of TCU. TCU's good enough to be in a, in a regional final. They're that good. They could be in the Elite Eight, and I don't think it would surprise the three of us. It really wouldn't. They're also bad enough to get picked off in the round of 32. And the reason why I say that is, yet again, they're a team that offensively, if they're stuck in the half court, can be flat out ugly. I mean, against West Virginia, they hit two threes in the game. They couldn't find anything. Now, of course, against Kansas, and then I'll, I'll toss it back to you, Rob, they get Shahada Wells to have a career performance pretty much out of nowhere where a guy averaging five points per game on this day goes for 17 and knocks down three triples. That's the kind of team they are. They need someone to emerge alongside Miles, whether it be Emmanuel Miller or Damian Baugh. It can't just be the Miles show. At times, offensively, they're a concern. But in terms of the toughness factor, the defense factor, the rebounding factor, the ability to turn you over, they are a top five team in the country that I would pick out of all those categories. So my, my biggest concern with them is that they rely a little bit on other teams making mistakes to be able to to thrive. It reminds me a lot of yeah. Press Virginia from like the, the 2018, 2019, 2020 kind of era. Yes. Where if you have good guard play that is not going to get sped up, that is not going to get flustered, that you're going to be able to run good offense and you're going to make the ball go through the basket, they're kind of limited. If you can force them to play in the half court, you're going to be able to beat them. If they can get out and run, they're going to do things like win at Baylor. They're going to do things like hand Kansas State, their only loss of the Big 12 season. They're going to do things like win in Fog Allen Fieldhouse by 23 points. Mm -hmm. So they're they're a little bit, uh, to me, they can be influenced by the team that they are playing. I want to ask you this, T.O. I want to go back to Kansas really quick. Didn't TCU I, like really struggle with turnovers last year? They've cut that down significantly this season. Yeah, it was like turnovers and shooting, which is why they're running so much in transition right now. That's right. It, it alleviates that. I, that yeah. was going to be my point to get to. It alleviates yeah. that. I think you learn more about TCU than you did to Kansas because I'm almost willing to. I agree. Uh, well, let, me, I, let, me, let me ask you this about Kansas because this is what they've done. Uh, in their last um by, their last three games, basically. By the way, before you get that said, TCU has now beaten Kansas and Kansas State. Just saying, very impressive. Yeah, yeah, they they on their best day, they could they could play with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, so this is the stretch that Kansas is currently on. They were at Texas Tech, they were at West Virginia, they played home for Oklahoma, they played home for Iowa State. All three of those games, um, they were down and they needed a needed to make yeah. a run to come back and win, right? Same thing with yeah. Oklahoma State at home, right? Four out of their last five, they were down, and they had to make a run to come back and win. Uh, they lost at Kansas State by a possession. They got smacked at home by TCU. They're at Baylor next. They're at Kentucky on Saturday. Then they get Kansas State at home. Then they're at Iowa State. Then they get Texas at home. Like, one, that is an absolutely brutal schedule. Mm -hmm. Two, I think that part that the, the how tough that schedule is is part of what happened on Saturday. Like it just kind of they were playing with fire by getting down, and I think it kind of burned them a little bit. But Tio, my question is this: Are these struggles just a result of how difficult the conference is, and we got to be excited about the fact that they're winning games, or is there something to be worried about with the team at this point that really has five guys that really only has one guy that is consistently making shots and has a point guard that you can kind of decide not to defend. Dewan Harris, last three games, one for 13 from the floor. How are, are you, is any of this making you worried about what Kansas is? Are they still a national title contender or is this just like a top 15 kind of a team? I think they're a national title contender still, because if you're in the top 15, you're a national title contender this year. 
Fair enough. So like, I think that's a big point in all of this. Another thing is too, is that Kansas state, it was just so much emotional expenditure there. Like that's a rivalry game. Kansas state's juiced to play them. They're the super bowl. And then they're tired and they run into TCU. And now they have to play Baylor two days later. You want to talk about no favors from a scheduling perspective, uh, exhibit a, I think the biggest improvement you're going to see is going to be after this Baylor game. If they can squeak by and steal one at Baylor, because this is this is what the NBA would call an, uh, a scheduling loss. Like, they, like I, I'm not saying they're going to lose, but it's going to be hard because Baylor's starting to find their rhythm too. But it they won now four in a row, huh? They won four in a row. That's right. Yes, and, they, yes. And, yeah. And then if okay, so you get through this one, you have yeah. Tuesday through Saturday to get ready for Kentucky. Yeah. Kansas needs a day off. Uh, Tuesday, like go to the sauna or something like don't do anything. That's what all the Europeans would be saying to do. Go to the sauna and then relax. I wasn't a big sauna guy, but you get my point. Uh, they need a day to, to relax, breathe a little bit after this Baylor game. And I think you're going to see improvement at least after Baylor, if they're able to squeak one out in Baylor, that says a lot about their team, a lot about their team. But I, I think the Kansas state game was the one that really, it took the wind out a little bit. Yep. All right. Fanta. Number one goes down. Houston loses. And by the way, I think we're learning a lot about you, T.O., on this show. Uh, you're a Big East guy. You're a Big, Big Ten, Ten guy. guy now. Not a sauna guy. Not a sauna guy. Not a sauna not, guy. Not, not I need to figure out like uh, how you became a Big Ten guy. I got every... scheduled on every freaking Big Ten night, Fanta. Yeah. I don't know how this happened, but I got scheduled on every Big Ten night. Now I'm a huge Big Ten guy. Yeah, every night that the the Big Ten has like five big games on, Gio, <laughs> it's it just it, it's happened. It's like weird. me, Greg Waddell, and, and, and Gio. Uh, Gio Baker. Yeah, Gio. Gio Baker. Yeah, yeah. That's okay though. I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, it's, it's almost good. it's 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 Goodman punishing me for for slandering the Big Ten. For I know. Three right? years. It's, it's, it's there is no way that he's looking that hardcore at the. I mean, he does, but There's, I mean, no, he, he's three for no three chance. this year. He's three for three this year. I have got nothing but Big Ten, Big Ten yeah. nights. All right, uh, Fanta. Houston loses yeah. at home to Temple. Are you are you worried about Houston? Is this just a a freaky law? I mean, look, Temple. They beat Villanova. They're six and two in the AAC. Like yeah. this isn't this isn't a horrible basketball team. Well, no, but let's let's not compare Villanova and Houston. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I mean, they're not even on the same planet this year. Mm-hmm. Let's let's call a spade a spade there. However, guys, I so Houston does concern me, and because on the offensive end of the floor, they're not great. They're not great, and to me, um, Jarris Walker has been amazing at times for this team, but typical of a freshman in college basketball no matter how talented he is, because he's extremely talented, he'll go through some cold spells. And against Temple and Tulane, he struggled. 
I mean, he he shot a combined six for 20 in those games. Against Cincinnati and SMU, both commanding wins for the Cougars. Walker combined for 24 points. He was great. Marcus Sasser is tremendous. Houston is not going to get blown out by anyone. I mean, uh, on a day on Sunday where they could not have shot the ball much worse from their main players. You know, Walker goes three for 12. Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser go combined eight for 27 in this game. And they lost the oh. they lost the game by one. They lost the game by a point. But, you know, I, I do get concerned with who they are on the offensive end of the floor. And I, I think that it's real this time. Like, in the past couple of years, we've said, yeah, they're not a great offensive team. Well, they were still good enough. And on the defensive end, they were just so tough, which is still very much the case. But it's one of those things where, Terrence, we've talked about this. When you have offensive limitations, at a certain point in March, you're going to have to trade some buckets by virtue of the way the tournament goes. It's right. just how it's just how it goes. They have defied those odds in recent years with their constant success level and just getting to a Final Four and making the Elite Eight. But I do get concerned if you have that day, like you had against Temple, and you happen to just fall by a possession or two. I could, I would find it hard to believe you'll never see this Houston team lose by 15 to 20. That ain't happening in the NCAA tournament. They're too no. good. They're too tough. They're too hard-nosed. But guys, when you have offensive limitations, it leaves you susceptible to getting beat by anybody on a given day. And I don't think people thought that about Houston – before this loss on Sunday, I think people thought there's a legitimate case for them to be the best team. And maybe they're the dominant force in college basketball. No, no, they're not. They're not that team. Well, they're not huge, but I also, Geo Baker made a good point yesterday on, on after dark. He was like, I'm not sure how interested Houston was in this game. Uh, I felt like they could coast a little bit, but where I would argue your point is one Houston, you have to be woken up a little bit. It's not necessarily bad to lose a game when you're at the top of the standings everywhere. Agreed. Agreed. Not necessarily a bad thing to lose a game. You want to, uh, if you want to question their effort, I, I, one person I can guarantee that's going to fix that question is uh, Coach Sampson. Yes. Because like that next practice is not going to be fun. I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. All of that being said, too, guys, like sometimes you got to win ugly. Sampson put them in position to win, and they had a tip at the end of that game that they had three I, shots at the rim in the last 10 seconds that would have won it yep three shots at the rim the fact they were able to get three shots at the rim i like those odds especially with their athletes so where i would kind of counter that fanta is that one they do have guys that can make shots i think that's a big part of it and two they have a go-to guy at the end of the clock and we know how important that is uh look at north carolina last year caleb love catches fire it is great uh, they have Marcus Sasser, who can create things on his own. So that's kind of where I would counter that. Defensively, you know who they are. They're not going to get beat bad. That's going to prop them up and hold them up. What, what they have and what Tennessee doesn't have is Marcus Sasser, somebody who can just create something out of nothing. That's why I think uh, Houston is very much in that top four, top five tier of college basketball, and they're going to continue to be. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you guys. I, don't, I think Houston is very, very good. I don't think you are ever going to be able to call them great because they're not going to be able to just run people out of the gym. Um, let me ask you guys this. All right. Uh, Houston was the number one team in the country in the yeah. AP poll. 
Kansas was the number two team in the country in the yep. AP poll, which kind of sets up a situation where we got to decide Purdue, Alabama. I think those are probably the only two teams that will get number one votes. Maybe Houston will just because they're still number one in the metrics, but that's not normally how it works with the polls. That's part of the reason why the polls are dumb. Either way, Fanta, I know that you put out your top 15 already, your power rankings over at, at Fox. Who do you have number one and why? For the second consecutive week, we've got Alabama at number one on FoxSports.com because the Crimson Tide have outscored their SEC opponents by 147 combined points. They have won all seven SEC games by double digits. They're the first team since 2012-13 Florida that's won all seven of their SEC games to open conference play by double digits digits that Florida team went to the elite eight uh four of the Crimson Tide seven conference wins four of seven SEC wins have come by at least 20 points if you're watching college basketball and you're watching what Alabama's doing you would not have any doubt in your mind that they're playing the best college basketball of any team in America right now yeah you agree Theo there's no argument. There's no argument for that. I'm picking Bama number one. I did last night. I'm doing it again today. Uh, the big difference between this year's Alabama team and last year's this team's defending, and this is the they're defending at the same level that they were defending when Herb Jones was in the picture. And it doesn't have to do a lot with their wings. It has a lot more to do with uh, Charles Bediaco's development, and he's been kind of the unsung hero of that Crimson Tide team. Brandon Miller gets a lot of pub. Mark Sears get a lot, gets a lot of pub. Uh, Charles Bidiaco is that guy behind that defense is cleaning a lot of crap up. And the fact that they're able to get out and pressure the way that they are is because they have the big fella back there. So they're very, very good. And in the style they play, other teams are susceptible to, you know, 18-0 runs, you know, 14-2 runs, 15-4 runs. That's the kind of team they are. And because they have so much shooting on that team, Right now, today, anybody they played in the country, Alabama would be favored. That's the reason I think Alabama's number one. Well, well, they won't be favored when they play at Tennessee. I can tell you that much. They're going to be an underdog there. But that's the only thing on their schedule left where they are uh, projected to be an underdog. I I, I tend to agree with you guys. Um, but I, can I just put a plug in for Purdue? Like calling yeah. them the number two team in the country, like the clear-cut number two team in the country, the very obvious second-best team in the country, and maybe the best team in the country? Like yes. Purdue fans, nobody is hating on your team, okay? Nobody is hating on no. your program. There are 363 teams in Division One. We are saying that you are, at absolute worst, the second-best team in college basketball, maybe the best team in college basketball, definitely the best team in the Big Ten, and maybe the team that's going to go out and win a national title. We are saying Shaq Eady is the best player in college basketball, the most unstoppable force in college basketball. My mentions, I wasn't even on After Dark last night. My mentions blew up for some reason because somebody was really upset about the fact that you said that, like, yeah, like, Shaq Eady, like, like he commits some fouls. Like, it's fouls. I said the opposite. Yeah, like, I, I have no idea what the argument was about, but you know it just what? blew up at about 12.15. Whatever you guys did, my mentions started melting down around then. Well, I was Greg like, started arguing with him. That was a problem. Yeah, hey. I... Let me Look. tell you something. Let me tell you something. Um, when Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, particularly Lawyer, are leading that team as well and making plays and gutsy, and I, I, I was so impressed with Fletcher Lawyer at Michigan State. His poise, his moxie, 
his confidence level. When those guards are playing in sync, Purdue can absolutely be the best team in college basketball. And they're, they are going to be as tough of an out as anybody. This is not soft Purdue. This is not soft Purdue. This is not, I mean, on a day where Tyson Walker, literally, how demoralizing is it? And I felt it was demoralizing for Michigan State. Tyson Walker couldn't have played better if he tried. He had the best day that Tom Izzo could have hoped for. And Michigan State lost on their home court. And you know what that says to me? Yeah, Purdue's got it. They're nasty, man. They're, they are tough as hell. There was a, a moment they'll, in that they'll, game. they'll guard, too. Like we, we, The biggest concern that people always bring up is like, I don't know how Zach Eade is going to def- be able to defend. I don't know how they're going to be able to defend. Oh, no. Like, they're top 20 in the country in, in, in Ken Palm and defensive efficiency. And like, I also, a lot of that, is because in the Big Ten, everybody has a big body, right? Like, so you can kind of hide Shaq Eady a little bit. Like, you don't necessarily have to worry about it. It's not going to be something where he's going to be chasing people out around on the perimeter. But also, like, I don't – I think he's better playing drop coverage and I think than, than he gets credit for. I agree with that. Yeah, and, and their defensive leap is, is not solid or big. It's actually massive. I mean, they were around 80th in Ken Palm mm-hmm. defensive efficiency last year with a team that everyone thought could make the final four. So they've jumped around 60 spots. And to me, there's just different playmakers who make things happen. Caleb first doesn't get enough credit for what he does for this team comes Mason, up and Mason Gillis, Mason yeah. Gillis comes up big for this team. They've got a supporting gas. They do defend in all honesty, Michigan state's one of the teams that actually matches up quite well with them is should ride the small ball because it's something different in a Big Ten that's loaded up with bigs. However, uh, Purdue is that good. They they really are. And just to think, guys, that Zach Eady has four performances this year of at least 26 points and 14 rebounds, and 11 other players in college basketball can even say that, and they've only done it one time. And Eady's got three more than everybody, any other player in the sport. He is crazy good. So you – you have a generational talent surrounded by Matt Painter guards. You're, you're not going to lose. Yep. Fanta, you got to get out of here at 11, so I'm going to give you one last thing. The most interesting team when it comes to where they're ranked on Monday morning, uh, to be clear, we're recording this before the AP poll is out, so I'm going to be fascinated to see where they are, is Kansas State. They were 13th yeah. last week. They are outside the top 25, both on Torvik and Kempom. Um where where do you rank this team? Because the metrics say that they aren't quite as good as people think that they are. But if you look at what they've done and the wins that they have and the way that they're playing, like I don't know how you rank them outside, like maybe the top eight at the absolute worst. Yeah, I think they deserve to be ranked number three. Oh, okay. There you go. I saw I saw you put your uh, poll out, Fanta. Number three. That's that's good. Hey, I'm not mad at that. Hey there's two things, two sides to to doing the poll this week for anybody that's doing one. And there's a lot of people doing one. Number one, you have to accept that some teams are going to lose like this year in college basketball. It's kind of okay to lose. Mm-hmm. It is what it is like for UCLA losing to Arizona. I can't penalize UCLA that much. They had won 14 in a row. They lost in Tucson. Not many people are winning in Tucson. Right. Kansas state. All they've done is win. They're 17 and two, as you said, Keontae Johnson is tough as nails. And when you have a lead guard in Marquise Noel, you're going to be able to compete in any game. So for me, 
Um, I, I look at Kansas State and their makeup. I don't know if metrically, I understand the analytics side of it, Rob. I, I totally get what you're saying, that, that maybe they're not as good as we think. But rankings have to combine both analytics and what you're seeing from a team. Uh, not what you think about a team. Not that, oh, they lost two in a row, but I still really like them. Well, they lost. So what was the reason for that? You have to you have to figure out a way to to be down the middle in this while also watching the teams play. And if you're watching Kansas State play, you know this much. They've got a will to win, baby. They mm-hmm. really do. And and Jerome Tang would be my national coach of the year today. Yeah. So a- for for me, they're they're third in the country at this moment because they have an elite point guard and they've got a really good defense and enough, enough there in their complimentary cast to say at 17 and two in the best conference in college basketball, they should be in the top five. Yep. I made this right. point last. Hold on, time. hold on, T.O. Fanta, go Fanta, go. You, you jump off, you head out. T.O. and I are going to hang out for the people that are listening to this podcast still. T.O., I know you got a point you want to make about Kansas State. I already State, forgot. So go ahead. It. And I also want to talk to you about <laughs> UCLA and Arizona. So go ahead. Say what you got to say about Kansas State. Jerome no, Tang, right. He's no joke, man. Like I, I would run through a wall for that dude, and I have no allegiances to Kansas State. I might have to be a Kansas State fan at this point. Let me promise you something, Rob. Let me promise you something. Wherever we go for the first week of the NCAA tournament, I'm going to be doing that funky Kansas State dance where they're going back and forth. You're going to get video <laughs> of me doing the Kansas State. I don't know what it's called, but I'm doing it. I'm back and forth, baby. I'm here. I'm here with Jerome Tang. It fires me up. When's the last time you've seen a team who's now I'm going to say arguably here because I think Keontae Johnson's very good, but arguably their best NBA prospect is their fourth or fifth option on the floor at one time. It's not. It's not that often. When's the last? When's the last time? The, the, I, I came up with this last night, kind of on the fly. Marvin Williams at Carolina when they won the national championship with Sean May is the last time I can think of that being the case. And Marvel Williams ends up going number three and, and playing 15 years in the NBA. He's not he's not Marvel Williams, but I, I think it speaks to the depth and how this team plays and the talent level that's on Kansas State. And such a quick turnaround in a year where Tang only had two scholarship players whenever he took the job. That's massive. The job he's done is freaking unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Let's talk UCLA, Arizona, then we can get out of here because I think that – uh i'm not mad at it i have i do i'm starting to get a little bit like i have some questions about ucla we'll talk about that in a second i think what arizona did was so damn impressive though they this was a team we questioned how good they were defensively we questioned a little bit their toughness level what are you going to do against a team that wants to play four around the perimeter how are you going to do this how are you going to do that blah 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 this that and the third and they went out and they beat ucla at ucla's game they won a grinded out defensive slugfest, fifty-eight to fifty-two against a team that wants to play grinded out defensive slugfest. And I, that to me, I don't care where that game was. The way that they won that game, they, I mean, they were up thirteen late. UCLA made a run to to kind of make it a little bit interesting. A scary they, run. Yeah, they 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 more or less beat the hell out of UCLA, and that was a really really impressive win. Yeah, it, it certainly was, and. uh it, it, but they have some things to figure out at the end. As soon as UCLA extended that pressure, Arizona had problems. Yep. Um, but no, I think there's a lot to be said for, first of all, 
Arizona, as fast as they do play, they are built for the half court. I mean, from a size perspective and all that stuff, how big it, you know, Kirk Crease is not small, 6'3, a buck 90. Uh, Tubella, 6'11, 250. Uh, Balo, 7'2, 260. Cedric Henderson ain't small at 6'6, 205, or whatever he is. Like, it's a team that the fact that they were able to win in a different way than they're normally accustomed to says a lot about their potential in March because. You know, everything in the NCAA tournament is so much about matchups, and the fact that they can win in different ways certainly helps you. I will say, Adam, was it Bana? Adam Bana? Adam Bona, yeah. Lee. I think it's a Dem. I think it's a Dem Bona, not Adam. A Dem Bona or Dem Bona. They said Bana on television yesterday, but but a Dem Bona? Bana? Dear Lord, we need to look that up. But, dude, he – man, his activity level was awesome. I mean, like, he's, in my mind, a more active, tougher. They called him Amari Stoudemire. The UCLA he, staff called him Amari Stoudemire. That is very, that is very sweet of them. But I would go a, a tougher, more athletic um, Clint Capella. He just has more to him. Like, his, he's all over the floor, man. He, what is he, 6'10", 7 foot? Yeah, he's all over the floor. Incredibly long. everything. Crazy athlete. And, like, man. He's I'm going to I'm going to say something and I, I hope people take it the right way, but he's kind of an asshole, too. Like he's got he's got a little got bit it. of prick in him, like in a good way, right, where he kind of, you know, he'll get in your face a little bit after he blocks a shot. And if you score on him, he gets a little bit pissed off. He's like, no, that's not happening. Wait until you come down here again. Right. Like he's got what, what's the saying? He's got that dog in him. He's got some dog in him. He's he's got got some check, dog check, in. check his x-rays. Check his x-rays. He's got dog yeah. in him. Uh, he's plays with an edge. He plays with an edge, but but that UCLA team too, man. Like I, I know they got down because I think the size discrepancy got them in Tucson. Uh, and, and you run into those big bodies for forty minutes, like it's going to take a toll. That all was also said, really smart the way that to- Tommy Lloyd played. De- like he just didn't guard a Dembona. Like they they just no. kind of let him roam on the perimeter and and left an extra body in the paint. So anytime you tried to drive, like oh by the way. Here's uh, Umar Ballo, who is seven foot and 260 pounds. He's just going to be in your way anytime you try to go to the basket. Yeah. So. And keep in mind that, like, Amari Bailey hasn't been what a lot of people thought he was going to be, but he's still missing, is still valuable. I mean, he's still a valuable piece there. That That's far and away the two best teams in the Pac 12. Far and yeah. away. Here's So here's my concern. Um, okay. On paper, I think UCLA. Uh, looks like a top five team in America. I love the lineup. I love in theory, Tiger Campbell and Jaime Jaquez and Jalen Clark's been unbelievable. I love it. And Bona uh, with Amari Bailey coming back. David Singleton does a really good job in, in the role that he's asked to play. Um, they're tough. They defend. They, they, they look like a McCronick team. Here are their best wins on the season. They beat Kentucky on a neutral when Kentucky was kind of not playing well at all. They won at Maryland by 27, but like, I don't even know what to think of beating Maryland. And then after that, it's like USC, Utah, Oregon, Arizona. Like there's not, there's not a lot of great wins on their resume. The three best teams that they've played, they got smacked around a little bit by Illinois. They lost to Baylor and they got smacked around a little bit by Arizona. So yeah, but they're beating the brakes off of those other teams in the Pac-12 though. They are, they are. But like at some point they're, I mean, look, Bottom line is this. If they don't beat Arizona in the last game of the regular season at home or they don't beat them in the Pac-12 tournament, they're going to enter the NCAA tournament without a win over a top 25 team. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot to be said there. You're the stat man. I like I, I would never pick that out. I, I just look at what I 
look at what I'm watching. Like, I don't, I don't know how to say that any differently, but so I, like, they I, had the that, pieces that to win. And they're guarding, man. They're guarding. Yep. They're guarding. Does that worry you at all? That they're not – kind of, sort of, maybe. But, I mean, the thing about the NCAA tournament is is you're not playing those big physical bodies every day anyway. And if there's one conference, as, as far as the Power Six concerned, where you're playing a bunch of different teams with a bunch of different personnel and bodies and body types and all that, it's the Pac-12. Now, is it great? No, but, like, there's a lot of – uh variability with between from team to team as far as size is concerned and style of play is concerned so that will have them adjusted a little bit but that does concern me because you got to go through some wars and the fact that you're playing your best teams that you've played all year you know you've lost to anybody inside the top 30 they haven't beaten no that's interesting that's interesting i i had not picked that up until you said so rob yeah so that's that is my one concern with ucla still love them um all right this has been the DTF podcast. If you're still listening, rate, review, subscribe, do all of those things that you know we love as podcasters. Subscribe to the Field of 68 Daily, the best way to catch up on college basketball every morning. You get an email in your inbox, 8.30 a.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, and while you're at it, go check out fieldof68.shop. we got a lot of cool merch in the store. So for Terrence Oglesby, for the since departed, John Fanta, my name is Rob Doster. See you guys again next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.